My name is Era, and I'm the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast. I chat with creators from all over the world to share their stories and discuss hot topics in a way that I hope inspires, educates, and entertains you. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tamil Creator. I'm your host, Era, and today we have a very talented musician on the podcast. Her name is Ravina. She's a Toronto-based musician with over a million streams on all major digital platforms and 12 plus million views on YouTube collaborations. Her music has received great reviews from media outlets like CBC Radio and Globe Magazine. And in 2018, she co-wrote the hit song Fearless, which was featured in the 2018 Winter Olympics. And her music break, musical breakthrough, which we'll kind of get more into in detail in the podcast, uh, happened after she reluctantly posted a video of herself singing at last on YouTube, which caught the eyes of City TV's producers, got her a guest spot on the show, and the one-minute segment turned to eight minutes, and that really kind of kicked things off. And, you know, it's kind of a great way to kind of segue into letting Ravina kind of introduce herself. So, Ravina, why don't you tell us a bit about kind of your upbringing and, you know, how that sparked your love of music and, you know, got to where you are now? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me, Ara. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited that... Uh, You've decided to speak to me today so thank you so much no problem um but yeah no i uh music has been sort of I, I say it's like my oxygen i've never never known a time without it um as far back as i can remember my parents my parents have little cassette tapes of me singing um to lots of different types of music as young as i think i wasn't even one yet so they could hear me mimicking music and singing so my whole life I've been singing. I was born um, in Sri Lanka, immigrated to Montreal for a good chunk of my life, then to Toronto. And uh, I think they started noticing my talents very quite young. And so my parents, while in Montreal, put me in guitar lessons and I hated it because it hurt my little fingers. And like, as a kid trying to play guitar, it's like a nightmare unless you really want to do it. Um, and then when we came to Toronto, I expressed interest in piano and so they put me in piano lessons um, and I did, I want to say I did well, but not in the traditional sense. I never read the sheet music. I played by ear and it drove my teachers insane. And uh, when we used to do competitions, my teacher would have to write on the sheet music ad lib. So the judges would know, the adjudicators would know that I wasn't playing exactly to the sheet music because I was kind of doing my own thing. And I'm sure my teachers would just say, you've got to work on your sight reading. But for me, it was more of kind of going with my instincts and my intuition when it comes to, to playing and singing. They never really put me in voice lessons. For some reason, I don't know, I just kind of naturally found my voice. And my dad was my teacher. Um, I grew up listening to Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, and I learned to sing like them thanks to my dad. Like, we would spend evenings where he would play the CD and I would learn how to do all those crazy runs. And that's sort of kind of how I developed my vocal, my vocal chops. And then by the time I got to university, I minored in music. And when they heard me sing, they're like, wow, how long have you been classically trained? I'm like, well, I'm not. Um, so that was a bit of a shock, but I would just say that my whole life music's just been kind of, you know, there it's never, never, never disappeared in my life. I guess the question I had around that was, it's a question for me now as, like, as I'm a parent is, 
you talked about like you hated doing certain things as a kid. So like you love music, you're musically inclined or like there's something at the beginning where you sense that that was something for you and they kind of pushed you. But I feel like there's some parents that push their kids too far along something because they feel like that's the right thing to do versus kind of there obviously is a fine balance between pushing someone or like in this case kids a kid or a kid to kind of um, pursue something that you can potentially as a parent see greatness in them but they might not fully like it so how did like what was your perspective about your parents pushing and prodding you into like that musical world I mean, I, it's funny. I would be singing around the house as a kid. I'm sure I annoyed. I annoyed my brother for sure. My younger brother was like, "Please, just be quiet." <laughs> um, but I think my dad really didn't take notice until I sang at like one of my aunt's um, weddings, and he sat there, and I must have been 11, and he looked at my mom. He said, "I I think she can actually really sing." And so, you know, we we sat down, we had a chat, and he was like, "How serious are you about this?" I'm like, "Very serious. I love like this is." this is all I want to do. Um, so I think this, just seeing like the natural joy and like the excitement about it, I think is kind of what pushed them to say, okay, let's, you know, let's put her in this. And I mean, you know, like Tamil parents are so quick to support, right? They're like, okay, you like soccer? Like we're going to put you in every single soccer lesson possible. Like you like piano, like, like funny enough, like, I don't know if you can see like this piano here is the one I learned on. Like my parents with little money they had bought this for me as a kid. So as soon as I turned 11, they bought this and I still have it here and it's featured in some of my videos, but that's the piano that I learned to obviously not read sight music, but just kind of do my own thing on. And um, I think it's just a natural enthusiasm. I think when you're a parent and you see a child just really excited about it, then they're going to be keen on doing it. it. It didn't feel like a job to me. It just, it was just so much fun. And I just lost track of time when I was like kind of really into it. And like now that you're kind of obviously fast track, you're an adult, you're like music is like your career now, you're doing it, you're focusing on it. Um, was there like a transition period, like, you know, after you're done school, you're kind of doing training, you know, you're doing music, but did you ever have to like, because I know a lot of people in the creative arts, whether they're like an actor, musician, singer, etc., they often have to do some kind of, you know, uh, like full-time job or something to kind of pay their bills while they kind of transition or kind of start oh. making inroads into their craft? Yeah. Um, so funny enough, I, so this is all I ever wanted to do, but somewhere along the way, I would say, you know, in university, I kind of lost a little bit of my confidence and I started to kind of deter. I mean, I was still doing music. I was still studying it. I was still performing, but it was kind of few and far between. And I just want, and I just felt like I lost myself a little bit. And I think I was trying to kind of flow into the ravine where everybody else was going like you know graduate from university uh, get a good job um, you know get settled in life and I was following that path but um, so I was in the corporate world I was in the corporate world for, for some time and uh, I found that you know I had a great job I was making great money and uh, it was very comfortable in my life but I wasn't happy and I felt like this part of me music was dying and it was slowly killing me and I don't know if you've ever had this feeling like you wake up and like I don't want to say it's a panic attack because I don't want to alarm people but it just felt like this dread of times passing by I am nowhere near where I want to be and why have I just kind of put this 
uh, innate joy that I had kind of on the back burner. I mean, it was still there. I was still doing shows, not as much as I, I wanted to. And I wasn't really putting myself out there. And I think um, every day when you wake up and you start feeling that dread, it starts to consume you. And it was consuming me. And so a few years ago, I made the decision to just walk away, like wholeheartedly. And that was actually right before I wrote my second album. So while I was working, I was discovered on City TV. Um, you know, that was a fluke. A friend of mine uploaded, started a YouTube channel for me. This is when YouTube wasn't like super popular. I want to say like 2000. I, this is going back to like 2010 and uh, it was kind of like still new, but not really. And so she started a channel for me. She uploaded a video that she took of me performing at the CNE and uh, I was a little bit embarrassed, but she did it anyway. And then the next thing you know, I got an email from the producer saying, Hey, can you come and sing live on our show? And I'm like, yeah, sure. No worries. Meanwhile, I hang up the phone and I'm like, what the heck just happened here? <laughs> so they're like, yeah, come to the studio five in the morning. Um, we'll do sound check and then blah, blah, blah. So I get there and I'm like, wow. And remember, like, I've got a corporate job to go to like later that day. So, um, you know, I did my thing and it was funny. I was doing sound check. And after my sound check, the host, one of the hosts come by and he's like, I thought they were playing a CD. I didn't know that was live. So I needed to come meet you. And what was supposed to be like a 10 minute segment turned into like much longer and they were just super, super nice. And then the next thing I know, I went back, I went to work and like everybody at the office apparently saw, and I was yeah. mildly embarrassed because, because <laughs> I still wasn't fully out there. And then people started reaching out to the TV studio. I didn't have a Twitter or a Facebook, a website, like this is 2010. It was still very, very new. So um, I had very great people behind me that kind of put something together and uh, kind of went from there. Did my first album, um, was featured on CBC radio right away. Um, lots of different main mainstream radio markets. And then by the time I started to figure out what I was gonna do for my second album, that's when the dread was like taking over. And the dread was intense. It was like, how long are you gonna do this for? I was burning the candle at both ends I wasn't giving my 100% to either, to either career. Like I was kind of, I felt like I was flailing in one and flailing in the other. And I just wasn't able to find myself. And so I think I was thinking I need to make a, a really tough decision. And I started thinking about, well, do I want to be like 65 sitting in a cubicle wondering and waiting? What if I had tried? And um, the scariness of the music industry is because it's so fickle. <laughs> So that was also terrifying me. But you know what? I, I made the leap. And it wasn't like I woke up on a Tuesday and said, hey, I'm quitting my job today. It was very planful, very mindful. Um, and I had to kind of line everything up to make sense for me. And, you know, I just did it. And then I ended up writing my second album. And uh, unfortunately, during that time, my dad was uh, diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. And he ended up losing his battle within a short amount of time. And so that really threw me in for a loop, but it also encouraged me because he was my biggest supporter and really pushed me to excel at anything I did, but especially music. And so that really propelled me even farther. And so when I released Fearless, that album, it was like, like really me. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think, um, I think for artists that have been in the industry for a while understands what that means, but that, that album really depicted who I was as an artist and 
it did it did exceedingly well when it was featured on the Olympics, um, you know, BBC Radio, a whole bunch of mainstream outlets and fans just resonated with the album. It made me so, so happy and validated that I made the right decision. What made you stay as long as you did? It seems like you kind of stayed longer than you wanted to in your corporate job. Like what made you stay versus kind of leaving earlier? Um, honestly, it's like the music industry back then was terrifying. I am a South Asian artist trying to break into the pop mainstream world and trying to hit charts where, you know, you'd have like a Celine Dion or like a Mariah Carey um, on these charts. And it was just kind of unheard of at that time. And I think that was terrifying me. And, I, and I'll be very frank with you, um, being a female South Asian artist back then, I had a lot of industry people tell me that I don't look a certain way. I don't, I sound a certain way, but I look a different way. So let's kind of figure out what's going to make the most sense for market marketability. And, you know, being very naive in the industry, I kind of listened um, and learned some really uh, great life lessons along the way, which I think now people wouldn't be able to get away with that. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. I'm, I mean, I'm talking like 10 years, right? So there's, there's a lot that I've learned, but I think I stayed longer than I needed to because of fear. And that's why I named my second album Fearless, because I just, I just kind of went for it. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, like when you made that leap after, I think it was around the same time, it sounds like, but, you know, um, when you got the 2018 uh, Winter Olympics opportunity, how did that like, how did that, was that like a planned opportunity? Was it the song created first? and then selected after, or was it like predetermined beforehand? No, I, for, so first of all, I only knew after the fact. Um, so I wrote the album, the song came out, and then two months later, I get a call from the TV network. They called me and the publisher, my publisher, because the song's uh, co-written with James Bryan and we're on Sony TV, so Sony Publishing. And I got a call and the call was like, oh, hi, Ravina. Um, we used your song Fearless for the Olympics. We'd like to, to uh, contact your publisher for <laughs> remuneration. And I said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. And I, then I paused <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> they said, yeah, uh, we, we used your song and uh, for the Olympics. So we'd like to talk to your publisher, your manager about um, remuneration and just making sure we've crossed all the T's and dotted the I's and I said, yes, absolutely. So I forward them to, I have a, I have a manager acting on my behalf. So I sent everything to her and I tried not to scream into the phone because <laughs> it was very shocking. Um, but, you know, it was uh, not a planned opportunity. I had no idea and it caught me off guard, but this, that, that, I mean, that story is cool. Cause like, it was awesome, but there's, I have another one where, yeah, um, yeah, so I like so I have a big I have a rabid fan base online, especially on YouTube, and they love when I do these kind of like covers that I do. Like they're like Ravinified covers, and um, I had done this cover of a Shawn Mendes song called St uh, Stitches, which um, you know I thought was like okay, sounds pretty cool. Put it out there, didn't think anything of it, and then you know fast forward like nine months because sometimes music consumption can take a while before things get like traction. And uh, I get this random DM from this like 16 year old girl from Germany. 
And all she writes is like, oh my God, I found, I found you. And I, and I was like, thank you. Why are you looking for me? <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, everybody's going crazy for your cover of Sean Mendes' Stitches. Nobody knows who you are, but someone used your song in a video. And it has like, at that time it had like, I don't know, two, two million views and counting. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So she sends me the link. I click on this link. And some person from, I want to say Iran or Israel, I don't remember what country. It was somewhere in the Middle East. They had taken like the Fifty Shades Grey movie, did like some kind of fan edit, and then threw my cover on top of it. Right. But well, so, well, that was very random. But the thing is, he had heard it from somebody else who had ripped my cover off and put it on a different video. So he had no idea who I was. So by the time I got to the video, I, I looked and there were literally a thousand comments and I'm like, and everybody in the comments is like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? So I did the most natural thing. I kind of went line by line and said, hi, it's me. Hi, it's me. Thank you for listening. And I messaged the guy on YouTube uh, on his channel. And I said, Hey, just FYI, it's me. If you don't mind putting my name um, underneath the credits, I'd really appreciate it. And I, I have a lot of artist friends who are like, oh, you should have asked for money. You should have, I'm like, well, you can't remunerate on a cover like this. And secondly, he's got, you know, copyright footage of a movie. It's probably going to be taken down by YouTube any second. And lo and behold, it amassed like something like 24 million views before the YouTube gods came down and just like, <laughs> like ripped it. But at that point I had the fans, like the fans translated from that video to like Spotify, to YouTube, to all these different platforms. And, you know, it, that was free publicity that I had no expectations, right? So um, that was a funny experience, but definitely the Olympics was like my official like shock moment where when you get that phone call and you're like, what, what, what's happening? What, who? <laughs> who so how you, did this happen? So you talked about like, you know, social media in terms of when you first started, like you didn't even have your own YouTube page, your friend set that up for you, you didn't have Twitter, yeah. any of that stuff. Yeah. But I imagine in this day and age with kind of, you know, your music, I imagine that social media is a bit more important or like a bit more of a focus on getting the word out about yourself, your music, or is that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It is a, a vehicle that is definitely necessary. Um, I think at that time, it, it like you needed it, but not everybody was on it. But now it's it's there and it's a great tool to use. I don't, it's, it's funny. I, I live in this weird dichotomy where like, I love social media, but I also hate it because I find that when you're so focused on social media and the metrics, it takes away time from what you're supposed to be doing, which is like creating. And, you know, I'm writing all the time. I'm currently writing for my third project and um, it's just a different way of thinking. And if, <laughs> if I could, I, I wouldn't want to like, I wouldn't want to post or anything, but I do because sometimes it's fun and I know people don't want to see a million pictures of my dog or, you know, me looking at a view, but um, it's essential because people don't know who you are and you want to, you want to get new fans. And, you know, if, if a fan certainly likes one artist, they're, they more, they're more likely to like another artist. Right. So it is definitely a vehicle. I highly recommend anybody starting out. You need social media um, because I don't know how in this day and age, you'd operate without it, especially now with COVID. It's like you're you're limited to um, accessing fans. Have you ever had any like interesting collaboration opportunities or like, you know, um, yeah, just like anything, inter like other than that story you mentioned, like interesting collaboration opportunities 
come as a result of social media? Um, that was definitely one. Um, the thing is, I, I find a lot of writers, uh, re we reach out to each other um, on social media. And I think it's because they've either heard my work or I've heard theirs, and then we end up co-writing. And, you know, with technology, you know, we can just kind of zoom into a live session and just start writing together. So I think, um, I mean, right now I'm writing with uh, one person in Nashville and LA at the same time. So <laughs> that's very interesting because we're battling time zones. And uh, I'm not on the brunt of that one. So <laughs> they're typically struggling with the time zones. But, um, you know, it's just very fascinating to be able to, to do that through the power of social media. I think they saw something of mine that was interesting and we reached out and we were vibing the same way. So let's, like, let's write and see if we can come up with something that's creatively cool. This episode is sponsored by Nobody. That's right, Nobody. So if you could be kind enough to hit that subscribe button, that would mean a lot to me. Who's like a musician that you would want to, like would be a dream collaboration? Oh my God. I, like I would be dying if I got to sing with Celine Dion. Like I would literally faint. And the funny thing is, is that on my first album, there's a wonderful writer. Her name is Liz Rodriguez, Andrea England and Luke McMaster, three writers. They heard me sing for the first time on TV and they were so enamored with my voice. They gave me a bunch of songs to work with. And I, and I picked one that I really liked. And Liz went on to write like four, I think three to four songs that made it to Celine's latest record. And I just remember looking at her and being like, I would die. I would die. <laughs> <laughs> and she just laughed. And I just remember being like, if, if I got to sing with her, I, I don't know what I would do. I would probably freeze. No, I wouldn't freeze, but I think I would just be like, shocked i'd have dry mouth it's, it's not attractive to say but i'd just be i would not know what to do with myself but she would be my dream dream collaboration i know a lot of people are like why celine dion but she's just you know vocally phenomenal can really emote when she sings and just a talent like that's just kind of out of this world have you like reached out to celine to kind of, no, yeah. no, because that's just so like, I, 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 I can't, I don't reach out to celebrities. I think it's kind of weird to do that. I mean, that's my opinion. Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like if I organically met her, that would be awesome. I just, I don't think I'd be fangirling and being like, hi, I just, I couldn't do that. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I just feel weird doing that. I feel even sheep is tagging, tagging like people that I don't know and stuff. Um, I, I don't know if that's maybe it's just me. Celine <laughs> is kind of getting into the you know the twilight of her career. I know she still sings, I think, in Vegas. Yeah, she yeah. is, but she's still like an icon in you know the diva world. Um, I mean, other than Adele, I don't think there's anybody else that's vocally matched her. Well, there's Whitney and Mariah, but I, I mean, after that generation, I don't. Other than Adele, I don't think there's anybody that's touched them vocally. So even though that's your dream, and that and her. Her career is coming to kind of the end or like near the end. I don't know. She could probably sing for a while. Aren't you like, oh, I need to. What are you like... saying? Are you saying she's old, Ara? That's no, so no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I'm saying she's been singing for a while. I'm sure she's only like her, like, you know, I know there's like a, there's a certain capacity or like timeline you can kind of sing for. And she's been singing forever, I feel like. Yeah, she's but been... she's very, she's very regimented with her voice. Like she okay. doesn't, she doesn't talk during show, like the days of her shows. She's, she protects her voice like, it's gold like she's just 
but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know her personally. So yes, maybe she might be in the twilight end of her career, as you're saying. Well, my point um, is basically like, if she's your dream person and like, you, you don't know, like, let's just say you don't know what she's going to kind of, you might be tomorrow. It could be a year. What did you okay. want to like, what did you want to just reach out and be like, Hey, just on the off chance that you can do it once with her. I'm just curious, curious if you thought about that. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that's a good point. You're, you're making me, you're making me think like, oh my God, I'm running out of time. That dread, that, that dread feeling is coming back now. <laughs> I'm concerned. Now you're stressing me. You're stressing okay. me. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll segue into something else. So in terms of like, um, you mentioned like when you started, you're in the music space, you were like one of the few South Asians, probably one of the few, if not only maybe uh, Tamil musicians kind of not trying to do say like, you know, uh, Bollywood or like, you know, that kind of genre, mm-hmm. like mainstream kind of music. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, I, I would say in the last couple of years, I've seen more and more uh, independent Tamil musicians kind of come out of the woodworks and kind of pick up steam and traction. I'm just curious, have you kind of been following that scene? And if so, are like, are there any names that you're like excited by? Um, I mean, I do and I don't. I, I, I mean, I love I love like Sean Vincent DePaul. He and I are connected. He's really talented. What I like what he does is he's got a really strong artistic uh, visual element tied to his musical artistry. And that's so rare to see. And, you know, every time he puts anything out, it's just, it's just, wow, wonderful. Um, uh, And he's got, I think it's just like a creative genius that very few people have. Um, you know, you've got NavZ47. Uh, I love seeing a lot of the female independent artists coming out. Um, she's also amazing. Um, you know, I've got my girl Lakshmi, who I've known through um, TVI days, like back in the day. She was just a kid when I met her. So she's doing her own thing. So there's a lot of people. But I also, you know, I really dabble more in sort of the mainstream uh, music arena I, I don't like and I and I know it's a bit controversial because I know when I first started out a lot of Tamil people were like why is she not singing in Tamil or why is she not you know like that like that type of music is like why is there no um, fusion and I'll be honest with you it's because it's not music it's not it didn't resonate with I didn't grow up listening to that I grew up listening to like I said main pop divas and it didn't connect with me. And I think it's really key to remember that when you're making music, it's got to connect with you first. And if it's not connecting with you, how the heck is it going to connect with anybody else? And that was the mistake that I made when I first got on the scene with my first album. I was listening to industry people that were saying, okay, well, you're South Asian and you cannot sing pop songs just like that. So we're going to throw in some South Asian influences. So you're a little bit more palatable to you know, the Caucasian people and the South Asian people. But then what ended up happening was I was put in this weird box that I was too brown for one one crew. And I don't know if I can say like too white for another. Like, you know, it was just like, I wasn't connecting. And part of the reason of that lack of connection was I wasn't believing in the material. And that's a big problem. That is a huge problem. And so for me, it was it was controversial because I think a lot of people were looking at me like, what are you doing? Um, but I came full circle when I did uh, my second album and Fearless ended up on the Olympic track. And I really, I have a funny story about that. So my mom had my email or sorry, an email set up to send to her friends like, oh, 
you know, my daughter, um, her song was on the Olympics, right? And she sent it to like her, her, fa- her like her siblings, right? So, you know, fast forward a week later, and this is how amazing the Tamil community is because literally a week later, my aunt gets an email from some other lady from the UK and it is a million forwards down. And she's like, look at this Tamil girl. How amazing. Her song was on the Olympics. And so my aunt replied like, yeah, that's my niece. <laughs> and it, it had circled the world and come like right back to her. And I mean, it was just so awesome to see. And it made, it, it made me smile because it, like, it just came full circle, right? This Fearless is a song that has absolutely no South Asian influence in it other than it was co-written by me, right? That is the only imprint on that. And I think um, some people either love it or don't. And you don't have to be everybody's cup of tea. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people like fall into a trap with um, when they're starting out. They're like, oh, I got to please the masses. And actually, no, you just got to find like your niche audience, right? I make pop adult contemporary type music. Like that's sort of where I sit. And I'm cool with that. And I can't tell you the amount of times People tell me, oh, why don't you do R&B? Or why don't you do Tamil music? Yeah, no, I've been approached by big names to sing in Tamil. I'm not going to say who, and I've had to say no, because one, I don't think I can do it. Two, it's not authentically me. And three, I can't connect with it. It's just not going to connect. And it's just, it's going to fall flat on its face. I can just feel it. I just instinctively know. And as I've gone through my progression, my career, I learned now to trust my my instincts more and more so. Like, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way whenever you're doing any kind of venture. I mean, you're running a ton of things are yourself. So you you must follow your instincts like yeah, to no. a T. When you say, like when you said cup of tea, there was a saying that I recently heard. It's like if you're selling tea, either sell hot tea or cold tea. There's markets for that, but don't sell, like if there's a market for cold tea and hot tea, sell to one of those, but don't sell lukewarm tea or warm tea because yeah. no one's going to like it. So it's like basically the same message, which is, you know, I'm sure like you've heard it, but like for me, it's like, oh, why don't you do this or this or this? And for me, I, I used to have or be embarrassed or like shy away from saying no. Now I just say, no, I'm not really interested. It's not for me. It's not something yeah. I'm interested in. Like people, like, for example, they'll look at like say my educational credentials and be like, oh, you should be doing this. I was like, no, you know, money isn't, I think like I want to make money, but I want to make money while being happy and I'm okay yeah. to forego making great money now or maybe that later but I want to just be happy and enjoy what I'm doing like just own my time and kind of you know feel like I'm not like working all the time so that's kind of uh, when you said that it kind of just resonated with me so yes yeah absolutely and I think that takes experience and that takes also time because I think when you're starting out you don't want to say no because you don't know if you're you don't know you don't want to want to offend the person and two you also don't know if you're throwing away an opportunity that you may you may like, because I mean, with that being said, sometimes doing things well out of your comfort zone can lead to really great things. But if you instinctively are like every being in your body is like, absolutely no, like that's a sign, like go, like listen to that and just do what you know is right. Right. So for me, that like making music where, you know, when the pop world, AC world, that, that is authentically 100% me. And I think if I did anything other than that, it wouldn't resonate as much. Agreed. Well, I mean, we won't get any kind of too too much details about this, but, you know, if somebody's listening to this and like they want to make a career out of singing, what are the different opportunities or potential ways that 
you can make money in the music world like just at a high level yeah at a high, well at a high level yeah i mean the biggest one's touring which is not happening right now but touring is a big one um you've got uh um shows the biggest thing i mean other than touring and shows um writing your own material um and not getting to the nitty gritty of publishing and licensing, but writing your own material and owning 100% of your masters. And um, a lot of the, a lot of times, a lot of, I've had a lot of friends signed by a lot of major labels. And at the end of the day, the labels held them for five years on a shelf, put them on a shelf for five years. And they walked away with a giant recoupment bill of funds they'd had to give back uh, no masters. So any material that they wrote, they don't own their social media wiped everything gone and they've had to start from scratch and they've lost five years. So for me, when I started in the industry, the biggest thing, and I've had some great mentors that have come across my path and are still mentoring me. The biggest thing they've said to me is 100% retain your masters. And that is the biggest key, especially in income. Uh, it comes back to streaming to radio play to, um, you know, things like the Olympics or even YouTube, like owning, owning your material is so important. And sorry, if people don't understand what masters is, it's owning 100% of the copyright of, of your, your song, your music, whatever it is that you're doing. And I think that, um, will give you the power to do lots of things. You know, you could look at publishing as an option. I kind of got lucky with YouTube. I was one of the early ones. So I'm a YouTube partner. So I, I do stuff with YouTube, but, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, all the digital platforms. But the biggest thing is, um, is touring. And that's like a big chunk. And uh, I'm just trying to think here, what else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing a million things. <laughs> yeah, it's great that you broke down um, masters because like, I think I feel like I read a lot of stuff in like the business world. And I feel like there's been a lot of companies that are specializing in buying um, companies that hold a lot of masters of all these great musicians. Like, and it's like, yes. like, you know, like the, it's like one I read was like the Beatles masters. One was like another musician. I forgot who it was. And it's like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was like, I didn't really understand the business mechanics behind it. I was like, yeah. wow. Because you were saying having these masters is kind of like almost like owning a piece of property that's just generating like good revenue. Like I think whoever owned Michael Jackson's like masters, like they're making a 100%. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole Taylor Swift thing, but that's exactly yes, what that was about, right? Her yeah. catalog. And I think as an artist, when you're, you're signed and you, and you, you want to be signed and you, you'll, you'll give everything away. Like th that is not the smartest thing to do. And it's a different time now. So I think a lot more uh, people getting into this industry understand that that's, that's key. And so you work so hard on a piece of music. Like, why would you want to give it away? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's your, it's your baby. It's your, it's your child. Like, I don't think I could part with them. Um, because it's something it's it's part of you whatever you've created so I think that's that's a big thing and I think a lot of younger artists need to hear that because sometimes they're like oh yeah I do all the creative stuff and the other thing and I could bring if I can bring this up is like being a female artist um and, I, and I'm lucky because I've been surrounded by men and women but a lot of great men who have helped me be a part of the creative behind the scenes process so and it takes a really great um human to allow that to happen especially um back then when that wasn't the case and sitting behind the table you know 
figuring out mixing, recording, the logistics um, of audio, sound engineering. I've learned those things. I didn't know those things 10 years ago. I was like, give me a mic and I can sing. Now it's like, I can talk about levels. I can talk about, you know, gear. I can talk about a lot of different things. And that's because, you know, I wasn't afraid to ask or figure it out. And especially as a young female musician, a lot of the times they're like, oh, you don't worry. You just look pretty and you sing. And that's kind of how like I was treated back then. It's like, oh, you look great. Just worry about what your hair is going to look like, what your, you know, what your makeup's going to look like and what dress you're going to wear. Don't worry about all the technical stuff, honey. We got it covered. And it, and it literally was like that. And sometimes I'm like, what? like I can do more than that. And I feel like in the last five years, I've really evolved with taking more con- creative control of my own career and making sure, you know, audibly things sound to the level that I, that I want them to. I think when the master's conversation, I think the only thing is either like maybe like a young Taylor Swift, maybe they got bad business advice or like they just weren't aware. Or if you look at like a lot in hip hop, often um, a lot of the young men that are kind of in hip hop, they if they come from like hard economic or like, you know, economically they're not doing well, it's kind of, yeah. hey, there's a two or three million dollar check. It, obviously for some that's never seen like that yeah. money, oh. it's great. But you don't know, but you're not like, you don't really think about it long-term because nobody's really educated or, you know, mentored you because you don't have anybody to tell you, hey, by giving away three years of work, everything you described, I'm like, oh, that sounds awful that you have to, you lose three years, you get your social media wipes, you lose kind of all that future revenue, but you you get $3 million today, but what people don't tell you is that you have to pay that $3 million back and then some. And they take away all the marketing dollars, all your, you know, styling dollars, everything comes out of that 3 million. Mm. So you've got to make that all back and then some for it to be, to be profitable. So if you're not a profitable artist, like you're, you're SOL, do you know what I mean? So, and that happens more than people know. And I've seen the horrible side of it where I've had friends come back from LA and they're just like, I have nothing and, you know, I had a heart, I had a friend who had really severe heartbreak where, you know, she spent all this time writing a major album, they shelved it. And then two years later, she hears her song being used for another artist and she's got no compensation to it. She has no, she doesn't own the math mass. She never owned the masters. And, you know, she kind of had signed this deal with her arms tied, but she thought it was a great deal at the time. Right. Cause they gave her such a great advance. So I think um, the industry now has totally shifted. It's not like that anymore to my knowledge, but I'm sure, I'm sure it still happens. But I think as an indie artist and you're building your following, like you have to be, you have to be, you have to wear many hats before you have other people intervene and you really have to educate yourself on the different aspects of the business. Even though you might just want to focus on the music aspect, it is really key and it is really important. Even though in the beginning of this podcast, I said, I hated doing some of the social media stuff but but we do it like you just have to do it did you know that every time you left a five out of five review for this podcast a tamil parent lets their child pursue a career in the creative arts okay that's probably not true but if there's a chance that it is do you really want to jinx it leave a review do it for the young creative in you um you know we spent a lot of time kind of on you know the music business which is great i think fascinating because I think it's really hard to kind of get insight into that world. But, you know, something I want to kind of get into for you is we talked a lot about your wins in like the last couple of years, which have been great. But what's like a, 
I don't want to call it failure, maybe a learning lesson that you've had in the last couple of years that, you know, has kind of left a, a mark where you like, you know, I'm never going to do that again. And I'm going to make sure that other musicians or other people that I know don't make that same mistake that I did. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a very good question. Um, and I like how you worded it. It's not really a failure. It's more of a learning lesson. Um, I think for me, the biggest one was not trusting my creative instincts early on and blaming that to my naivete in the industry and trusting someone that's more seasoned. Um, and, you know, listening to really horrible feedback about what I needed to look like and believing that that was the case. Um, you know, I've had, I've had men say things like, oh, why did you wear that on stage? Mind you, I was appropriately dressed, but then me thinking, why aren't they asking my male counterparts the same question? Like, do you know, these were the questions that were going through my head, but me being naive, not asking why these questions were being asked because I didn't want to be impolite, rude. Um, and sometimes as an artist, you need to be, you need to not say the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? So not trusting my inner voice speak out and creatively not going with my instincts. Those are things that I will never fall back into knowing what I know now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I think that's really key for any young artists listening to this to just make sure that that doesn't happen. And that if there's something that you don't feel comfortable with, like speak up, like say something and don't feel like, no one's going to listen to you because for every 10 people that are going to not listen to you, there's going to be one person that will, do you know what I mean? So for me, I think that's, that was the biggest thing. And um, I'm just trying to think like that, 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 that took a while for me to learn. That wasn't like an overnight lesson. That was a few years. And the same people that were excited about me supporting me also closed the door on me because I spoke up. So those are lessons learned and you're going to have a lot of people in your corner chat championing from you yeah, championing for you, but those same people can also quickly turn around and close the door on you. Do you know what I mean? So just be confident in your decisions and follow your instincts. I mean, that's, I don't know how else I can <laughs> like partake in sharing this wisdom <laughs> But I don't know if that makes sense, Ara. Like, do you get what yes. I'm trying to say? You're nodding no. your head, but I feel like you're not saying anything. So I'm like, no, I'm just agree? listening. Well, as you were talking, the the messaging of kind of people that used to support you are now like the ones that shun you. I just think of the topic of, I guess, I guess you could also look at friendships that way as well. And you're like in like like my my age where you kind of you kind of gone through that cycle. And you know, I want to, I, I started the topic of friendship of how have you kind of dealt with that? Or like, have you kind of gone through that where you've had these great relationships and then all of a sudden, you know, as a result of this happening, you're no longer kind of friends or even like worse than that. How do you like, how do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Like, how do you get over that? Or have you ever like reconciled with any of those people as well? I mean, I, I, I wasn't really friends that turned their back on me. It was more like people in the industry because mm -hmm. I, I spoke up and said, you know, I'm not comfortable with doing that. I don't think that's me. Um, and, I, and then being told, well, if you don't do it, you're never going to succeed and forget about your career. I think it's, I think I, I've, I've been lucky. I've got great friends. I've got great family. I've got an awesome support system. Um, and they've always been there championing for me. I mean, my friends started my YouTube channel and 
lot when I had like I did a show at say what on Front Street like before COVID and everything, and you know I sold that out. So I've got I've got a great fan base, but I've got great friends that you know really are there for me and. It's, it was more a commentary around um, the music industry can be fickle and you might have like an awesome, you know, awesome people around you saying, yes, do this, do this. But the moment you're like, I don't know, they're like, well, if you don't do it, it's over for you, honey. And like the door closes in your face and that will happen. Um, but just know that there's going to be a different path for you. And you just kind of need to trust, trust the process. Right. A lot of people say, but I haven't had any friends where I've lost them because I pursued this career. I mean, I've had people be like, what are you doing? Like, why would you walk away from like a great job? Like all this money, like what, like, what is what, like, why? Um, But when I explained that, you know, I was feeling dreadful and just like, if someone said to you, like, Ara, like whatever dream you have, like, you're not going to achieve it. So just forget about it and just keep doing something that you're not going to love. Like, how would you feel? Like you would feel like you're suffocating I'm imagining, or I mean, how would you feel? No, definitely. I mean, I've been in that position where um, while working on what I'm working on now, I've been, I did jobs on the side that I hated. I dreaded waking up and doing it. Um, No, for sure. And like the day, like I've done so many of these like jobs that I hated and like, I wouldn't stay that long. And, when you like something, you stick with, like, I've done this stuff for, like, 10, 12 years now, but those those jobs lasted, like, six to, like, nine months tops, because it was just there so you bad, you just keep looking for different environments until, like, finally, you're, like, able to finally quit and not have to go back to that. It's a beautiful thing, so. I, there I you go, resonate. exactly, and you can yeah. see the joy is on your face, because you're yes. just so happy, and you're so comfortable, and I think that was the key thing. I mean, I, I had a great working environment. I had great people that I was working with, they were like a second family to me and they were super, super supportive about my music career. But, you know, when I had to make that leap, they were also 100% rallying behind me. And I think at the end of the day, I think you're supposed to do certain things to get you to certain points in your life. And I wouldn't change it any other way. I mean, I had dreams of like going to LA when I was like 19, not go to university. And my parents were like, are you mad? Get a foundation. (laughs) And then go, but that university knowledge is helping me navigate the business of this industry. I don't think I would have grasped that as much if I had, didn't have the, the background in my education. Right. So, you know, you talked about the difficulty of kind of, you know, you've done well in the music world, but you're kind of continuing to have to grind and it's obviously not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. What's what's you kind of touched on it, but what is your why? Like if someone asks you like, what's your why, what, like, why do you, why are you doing this? What, what do you tell them? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, why not? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I feel like someone asked me that once and I was like, well, why not? Um, why not? I mean, as, since as, as young as a kid, I always dreamt of, you know, holding a Grammy and being like, I won. I won this because you guys connected with my music, something that I wrote um it's been with me since I can remember I I mean I can envision it envision it I can picture it um I mean maybe I'll be 80 at this point when I win it I don't know but it's more of fulfilling my soul and I had mentioned before that music is literally oxygen to me and I was suffocating for a while so I do it because 
I have to, or else I can't breathe. Right. It's, it's kind of like if someone says, you know, they cut off your dream, like, how would you feel? It's, I mean, I've had people that have lost their dreams and they're still bitter about it. And I don't want to be bitter about not following something that I innately feel I need to. I feel like the cool thing about music or anything creative, like I think of movies, even like a, my, like my podcast, for example, is that someday in the future when you're not there, you know, you're no longer alive. Somebody could be potentially motivated or uplifted by your voice or your song or your lyrics, which is kind of a cool legacy to kind of have as well. Uh, because, you know, there's movies that I still watch where the director or the actors are no longer alive, but their performance or the story they told still is like so memorable or like has done something to help me in my life. So I, I think that's cool as well. Just thinking. Yeah, about, no, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, I do get, I do get bands that reach out and say, um, you know, I, I went through a hard time and I heard your song and I literally couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying because it just connected with me so strongly. And um, that, <laughs> that right. makes it, that's okay. That makes it worth all of the blood, sweat and tears to hear someone say that they just felt so inspired by the music that you made. And, you know, whenever, however long I am here on this earth, if I do leave something like that behind for anybody to connect with, then that's, that's even better than a Grammy, to be honest with you. Like that's, that's even more powerful. And um, you bring up a very good point. People have come and gone, but their performance and how they made you feel still resonates with you. And at the end of the day, it's how I can make people feel through music. As much as I'd love to achieve my, you know, eight-year-old dream of holding a Grammy on stage, <laughs> it's more about, it is more about, how people are, how people feel when, when they hear me sing or when they hear, hear music that, that I've made. And like, what's an insecurity of yours that you have? You talked about what's an, in, what's an insecurity that I have. Uh, people don't know this. I hate being on camera. Like, I mean, <laughs> I do it. I just hate, I, just, I really hate it. I don't know what it is. I find, um, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I do it all the time. I'm, all, I'm all over my music videos, but I just feel like it takes away from what I'm trying, like, it's about my, my voice and my music. Right. So I feel like, why do you need to look at me? I get it. I get it. Um, but like half the time I'm recording, I'm like sitting down because <laughs> I feel like I emote better. I know a lot of people like to stand and the whole diaphragm thing. And yeah, you can still stretch out your diaphragm while you're sitting. Um, but a lot of great carnotic singers sit, sing sitting down. Right. So I do my best work sitting down when I'm singing, but like, I'm like, I would like to be like, you know, in a dark room and you don't have to see me. And there's like something else going on. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I get told, no, we want to see you smile. We like your smile, like all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's my biggest insecurity. I find that I'm like super fickle um, when it comes to that. And especially like live TV shows. I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> this is going to be highly stressful but you know it works out at the end because the crew the crew's totally totally supportive and the hosts are awesome and I've done a few morning show morning show performances and it's it's very cool I love the radio stuff like the live radio stuff's super cool because no pressure of like you know the lights and everybody looking at you but I don't know just being on camera is I guess my biggest insecurity that sounds silly the, most people are like oh getting on stage and singing no I, I love doing that I don't have an issue doing that it's just more I guess the aesthetics of it all, I don't know. I mean, that sounds so 
silly in the grand scheme of insecurity, but yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I think that yeah, everybody's got their thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what do you like to do for fun outside of, I mean, obviously singing is your passion and you love it, but what do you like to kind of do to unwind or like just kind of relax? Uh, oh, I love to, I love to run. I run all the time. Um, my running partner is my Portuguese water dog. <laughs> He's my running buddy. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see him cameo in a running picture or something. Um, I love lifting weights as well. I find exercise is like, my cup of coffee. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. It sets the tone for my day. Um, and it just makes me feel like more centered. I know some people meditate. Some people do yoga. I either run or I lift weights. And I find the days that I run is when I'm like thinking creative, cre creative, creatively. I can't even speak today. Creatively. <laughs> I find like, I guess, get my best musical ideas while I'm running. And the funny thing is like, I have, like, I have this, like, like an Apple watch. And if I get a lick or a, an idea in my head, <laughs> you might see me running or I'll stop and I'll just sing into my watch. And because you lose the idea in seconds if you don't like write it down or record it. So I, I have a million audio recordings on my watch and my phone that I probably should put into logic, but <laughs> I need to get to that. Um, but running and is really a great way for me to organize my thoughts and ideas and by the time I come back like it depends on the week but like I run maybe five to six kilometers every other day and it's not a long run it's a pretty decent run but it's long enough for me to just have that time to think come back and regroup and then you know go about my day whatever's on the docket for that day I never understood I've seen so many runners but I also was one that was like oh I'm never going to do these long walks but now, like, especially during COVID when the gyms are closed, I've been yeah. doing like daily walks of like about 45, 60 minutes. And I used to be like, in my head, I'm like, oh, who would walk? Like, this is so boring. But actually, <laughs> I love it because I get, I listen to like a podcast and I walk in. Actually, the time flies by. So I can understand if you're doing something equivalent, like listen to a podcast or listen to some awesome music and running. Mm -hmm. I can see mm -hmm. it being very therapeutic. So I get it. It's good. It's good think time. And nice. a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people get, get up. I mean, I'm assuming they look at their phone and it's very reactive, like, oh, check my email, check my Insta, check my whatever. And then they go about their day. I try now to just wake up, change and just go and then deal with what I, whatever I have to deal with. Unless I have like a, re a release or something, then I will, you know, obviously be on socials. But 90% um, of the time I'm out of the bed and already either running or working out. And that think, that think time is so precious. And a lot of people don't realize like it sets the tone for the day. Nope, I, I definitely, like that's one of the, my goals is I've done a lot of things slowly over the last year and a half, like habits I want to establish. And that's the last thing I have to do. I need to, I've always wanted to exercise first in the morning because when I used to do it, it was like amazing. Like you said, like you feel great, you think great, you, yeah, you're just in a good place, so. Yeah, and I feel like I, I've tried the, I hate, I hate working out past 10 a.m. I'm not going to lie. Like, I usually am up by 6, 6.30. Like, I'm already out the door um, running or whatever. I just, <laughs> I tried the nighttime workout. I'm like, no, it is not for me. I am a morning person because I find I'm super cranky when I don't work out in the morning. And I find at night, I'm just like, I don't want to do this right now. Like, I just want to go to bed. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yep, I, I, I agree. <laughs> um 
What would you tell your 16 year old your 16 year old self, Ravina, if you had a chance to sit down and talk to her? Be more confident, girl. <laughs> you got this. Like I would literally just say that to her. Be like, be more confident, girl. You've got this. Um, you've got a strong voice. You know how to use it. Don't let anybody else tell you. Don't let anybody tell you how to use it. You know how to do it. I, that's what I would tell her because I think 16 year old me was scared to show how strong my vocals were and, you know, just kind of scared about it. And I think just saying like, you got this girl. Like, I think that little push would encourage me. Cause I, I love encouragement. <laughs> I find I thrive on it. So, <laughs> you're telling me I'm doing a great job. I'm like, all right, I'll give you some more. Like, <laughs> uh, who's, who's somebody that you admire in the global Tamil community and who's somebody that is non-Tamil in the global community? It could be anybody uh, that you admire and why? Like one or the other or? Uh, one, both, one yeah, of just one, one of each, yes. One of each. Um, I know this, this is probably such a cliche answer, but within the Tamil community, I, 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 was, I would say my parents, um, especially as an adult, you know, they came here, they came to Canada with what little they had just to give my brother and I a great life. And, you know, you know, we're chilling out in our lives with our iPhones and our <laughs> iPads and, you know, just, just realizing, especially now losing my dad, how much they sacrificed with so little and like the risk they took immigrating across the globe, not knowing anything. Like we came here in the dead of winter in Montreal where it was like minus 30 and I'm pr my mom had flip-flops on like we had no idea and just I was kind of sitting there like what if I moved to a country didn't know anything anybody like how would I survive like I mean I have my phone I could figure stuff out they had nothing and it, it, I'm always in awe when I think about that and it's funny because I have a great relationship with my parents my dad and I were two peas in the pod my mom and I are like sisters and when you lose a parent, it is so devastating, but it also makes you reflective on the things that they did that you never really noticed until you yourself, you're an adult. And, or even when you become a parent, like you just, you just kind of sit there and you're like, wow, they did that. And, you know, 11, like 11 year old me didn't know, like I found the receipt for this piano in the bench, I think a year after my dad passed it was tucked. It was an old credit card receipt tucked in the bench. And I saw how much it was. And I asked him, I'm like, how did you guys afford this? She's like, Oh, we, we couldn't, but we tried our best. Your dad researched all these pianos. And he went to the library, researched pianos, <laughs> physical books, looked at them. He wanted a German piano and this is a German piano. And he spent a good time before investing. And I was like, it made me so teary to see this receipt, this paper receipt, like this handwritten receipt with a little credit card. Like I think back in the day they used like this like machine that yes, like yes, yes. the carbon yeah. copy. Yeah. So I asked my mom, she's like, Yeah, your you know, your dad wanted you to have the best. And with li what little they had, they made that work. And it's just like things like that, you know what I mean? That just really um make you sit and think, wow, that's who inspires me. And then somebody outside of the Tamil community. Um, I have a, a really wonderful mentor. Her name is Heather Ostertag. She used to run Factor. She was the president of Factor for 30 years. And uh, 
she is a powerful female force that has really helped me find my voice as a female artist. And um, I admire her because she is outspoken and has learned to really um, support a lot of artists. A lot of big name artists that have come up through the industry have been under her wing. And so I have her in my corner and I feel so blessed to have her in my corner. And I also feel um, I'm in awe of her because she really teaches me amazing things day to day that I don't think I would have without her in my life. So, so my parents and her. <laughs> uh, I love, I really like that story you told about your dad. I think, I think probably every second generation, I guess we'd be second generation Tamils. Yeah. Um, would have that about their parents were like, there's something they did or bought like there's so many things that they did or didn't say you know like providing for their kids like um, I feel like there's so many stories that would be like a good idea to kind of uncover maybe in the future but yeah for uh, real for sure I feel like there are probably tons right and things that you wouldn't find out so they're long gone yeah. and they they and they don't say because you know it was just it was just very heartfelt for me to, to see that yeah I so, think and I was the, sitting I was sitting on that bench for years like learning piano and it's like just tucked under there I had no idea it was just this receipt just tucked under all my little piano books I feel like um my parents are like the like in terms of a lot of Tamil parents that I know like in terms of friends parents is that like now that I'm a parent I understand this is like they were these people that probably had you know exciting lives of some kind or up to something or had these dreams but I know nothing about that I feel like the only version of I know them of is like, you know, they were strict or like they were trying to help us get to a certain place. But I feel like I didn't really get to know them until like maybe in the last two, three years, I've kind of made more of an effort to kind of try to learn more about their lives. But I feel like my mom doesn't like to talk about herself. And like my dad <laughs> kind of like talks about himself. But I feel like that's like one of the things that I'd like to get more out of. Just learn, learn, like um, learn more <laughs> stories about them. Like, like when they were my age, like what did they do? Like what kind of funny stuff or like, you know, teenage like things that they do? I'm sure they have these stories, but yeah, I'm sure they have a lot of other painful memories. Oh, I, I mean, I know my parents were cool when they were younger. Like my dad was Mr. Jaffna. Like he was bodybuilder supreme, like life of the party. And my mom was Miss, you know, she was quiet, but like, you know, stunning. She's still stunning, but just like chatty, right? So I, I know my parents were cool back in the day and they would remind my brother and I how cool they like cool they were. And my brother and I still laugh to this day because anytime my dad used to tell a story about his like heyday, <laughs> we, we picture him black and white. <laughs> and, and he would always look at us like, like <laughs> very awesome, funny though. guys. Well, that's yeah, awesome but that you we, had we, that kind of like like I feel like I want to do that with my kids. I want to kind of have that kind of relationship where like I want to make sure they look at my Instagram like, hey, before I had you guys, I, you know, me, <laughs> me and your mom, we we're pretty cool people. We we're doing cool stuff. So just, just know that about us. That's so. if Instagram still exists That's by true. the time they want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were just joking about that. Like, so, like one of my friends, like their kids <laughs> and just saying like by the time they're our age, they'll have like hologram phones and we'll be like, yeah. how do we operate this thing? You know, just kind of like how we're our parents are trying to figure out like, you know, technical stuff. So, but that that's a good point. But you should, because I time's limited and you mm. never know, like, you never know when that time's gonna, you know, oh. stop. 
Well, it's interesting because we're one of those weird generations that saw a lot of overlapping technology. Like I still remember getting like those CDs to kind of get like, you know, we used to have a computer room. Like that's yes. you know, like now there's like laptops. There used to be like a yes. computer room and like a dedicated like phone line and like, you know, a CD. <laughs> you have to do all this crazy stuff just to boot up the internet. And if my mom yes. or dad picked up the phone to make a call, my internet you're like, connection oh, was dead. You're like, oh God, get off phone. I don't know if you're on TikTok at all. I mean, I'm on there. <laughs> I'm on there not as a content creator. I'm on there as a consumer because uh, people have used my music at TikToks, which is very, very weird for me. Um, but I, I go on there just to see like, okay, who's using my songs for what, just to, I'm curious, but someone posted a TikTok of, um, sounds from back in the day about a computer and literally it was like booting up Microsoft Windows and like that noise and like the internet and like AOL, like all those things were just, and like the CD ROM, the, the disc, it was just like, oh my God. And these noise were so like, they were so nostalgic just to listen to it. And this TikTok had millions of views because everybody can just like, but then anybody born after 2000s, like, what the heck is this? Like, what, what are we looking at? Or even like, I remember like, I don't know if you played um, Duck Hunt. Like, I remember like I had all these like video <laughs> game systems and like, I wish I kept some of them because they're collector, like, collector items. My dad, play. my dad was trying to play Duck Hunt with us. He, he bought it because he wanted to play it. <laughs> That's so and funny. he'd fight it with my brother and I to like play because he loved that little dog that would like pop up. Yeah. yeah if yeah. he missed and like giggle, he's a big dog lover, but um, yeah, it's just, it's funny. And like watching that, like our parents through the generation of technology, I'm always in awe of that because they went from nothing to like, you know, banking on a phone <laughs> or ordering food on a phone. And I don't know what's in store like 30 years from now, we're going to have hologram phones or I have no idea. It's just, I guess yeah. we'll have to wait and see, right? If we're lucky. And I was thinking about the story you said about your mom with the slippers, like she's showing, showing up in like negative 30 in like Montreal. There's this great Tim Hortons commercial that was like three, four years ago. Yes, I, remember I know it, the one. Yeah. Like this couple, I, I think they're from Africa or somewhere. And yeah. like they show up like similar, like not appropriately dressed for Canadian winters. Yeah. That's and literally like, what happened. And the receiving party kind of had winter coats and like, a, I think Tim Hortons or whatever. It was such yeah. a good, beautiful, I don't usually fall for the commercials, but that was like actually a really well done yeah, because it connected with you, right? Yes, like we're yes. all we're talking about connection with music like that yeah. resonated with you because you had a personal connection, you know, yes. being your family, you know, an immigrant family, you understand like you guys came here, yeah. you didn't know anything about the culture. Like when we came here, we had to really assimilate with French culture. And it was at a time like we didn't know any other Tamil people. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I learned French growing up. I learned French. I speak French fluently. I'm fluently bilingual. So it was sort of like, okay, well, we are 100% Canadian now. Like, we got to get into this and, and you know, go to French school and learn everything. So that commercial connected with you, which means, like, it did its job, right? It, it really tugged at your heartstrings. But, yeah, it's just, it's, just so, it's just so great to see things like that. Money can be hard to come by, but here is a $100 opportunity for you. Join my free newsletter for free exclusive content and a free chance to win $100 when I hold special draws. Did I mention that it's free? That's a good segue kind of into the last segment of kind of the um, discussion today. But I was thinking in my head, maybe a quick way to kind of segue, since, you know, we're not really recording you on video, but maybe if you can bust out a quick little something before we go into the last segment. If you don't want to, that's cool too, but I thought... What do you want me to bust out, like a song? Anything, anything, anything. <laughs> What do you feel like right now? Oh, what do you geez. Feel like, yeah. 
uh you know i could i could sing my my signature song no um yeah i'll just sing fearless because that's the whole theme right you got to be fearless you got to follow your dreams yeah maybe you just bust on like a quick like what's just just hit us with something and it'll be like i'm sure we'll yeah use it. i hopefully it doesn't sound weird on this like when the whole world falls and everything breaks and you're standing alone you can be fearless you're not alone i don't so, know if that sounds okay it sounds great or... i think it part, <laughs> part of it i think you went so high that uh you couldn't it comprehend out. you couldn't comprehend yeah. <laughs> that's what i was wondering I'm like this is gonna clip out or it's gonna do something weird that's crazy i've never done heard that before beautiful voice <laughs> thank See, that, you that's a that's a little something new we want to try so um, <laughs> now we'll kind of get into creator confessions essentially this is meant to be kind of a speed round i'm going to say like a bunch of statements and you're going oh to say i'm scared i'm yeah, scared these are pretty easy <laughs> uh so are you ready to to start? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect because you asked me to sing this now. I should have busted out my piano and done something else, <laughs> but should have told me about this. But okay, yes, I'm ready. I'm terrified. I want to keep a couple of things, ask. you know, surprises. So <laughs> I'm terrified, with... but go ahead. All right, let's start with some easy ones. So, favorite Tamil food? Oh, my mom's fish curry and puttu and sambal, 100%. That, that is amazing. my favorite. Favorite. Home cooked is amazing. Um, something yeah. that scares you? Oh uh bugs spike like cockroaches spiders like bugs just bugs bugs okay. any bug small or big bugs uh favorite show you're watching oh um mayor of east town with kate winslet okay it is so good and addictive it's it's just watch it a place you're itching to travel to after the pandemic is over oh that would be Hawaii. I keep saying, oh, I should stop saying that. Hawaii. <laughs> I'd love to go there. Uh, a fellow Tamil creator that you want to give a shout out to? Um, I'm going to say what's up to, to Rad. Just say Rad. Um, he works in media. Really cool guy doing his own thing in the media world. And shout out to him. Favorite childhood memory? Favorite childhood memory. Wow, these are deep, man uh oh gosh i feel like i'm blanking on my childhood right now <laughs> you know what um i was uh <laughs> doing like a vocal competition when i was like 12 and i remember i had to compete against like adults and <laughs> i was terrified because it was an open competition so anybody at any age can come in and i remember i was super nervous and i started the adjudicator was like um please wait like sorry not yet because they have to get their stuff in order for this for them to judge you and so then i waited and he's like okay we're ready and i turned around and i said to him into the microphone in front of everyone like are you sure and the <laughs> whole crowd burst bust out laughing and my dad sat there with his hand on his face like, <laughs> like are you sure and then they giggled but i ended up winning anyway and it was just i was 12 it was like an awesome memory but just I was a bit sassy back then too. I mean, I'm still sassy, but the fact that I leaned back and said, "Are you sure?" and he was like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> so I yeah, like, I can remember that. I feel like that's kind of the one of the like a type of situation where when you're a kid you get away with it, but when you're older you can't. <laughs> I'm I like, feel... just get out. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> you disqualify. <laughs> um, pet peeve. Oh, loud chewers! Mm. Loud chewers. I, I feel like a lot of people say that, but. 
people that chew excessively loudly i excessively loud i don't know it's just <laughs> i can't i just can't i can't uh, a person or a celebrity that you look up to Mm, I mean, I think, yeah, thank you. I think you can answer that. <laughs> Next. <laughs> if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, a regret that you would have. Not eating that lasagna I saw yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're expecting something deep, Ara. Um, I don't feel like I have any regrets. I feel like I've had to do everything I've done to get to this point. But you asked me to answer this honestly. And literally, I saw some lasagna last night. I was like, I really want to eat that. But then I didn't because I was trying to be good because COVID has not been so kind um, <laughs> on the eating front. And so I uh, I feel like I regret that. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love has it. anybody answered this question with more depth? I feel like they probably oh, have. Oh, they have. But it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I love your honesty. Um you feel free to edit that out. If you <laughs> no, I love that's a great answer. Uh, celebrity whose life that you would want to experience for one day. Oh, you know what? Um, that's a really good question. A celebrity whose life I'd like to probably. Oh my God, I'm I'm like stumped here. I don't want to say Celine Dion because that's too obvious. You know what? I would pick uh, I would pick Richard Branson because he is so far away from my life. I would want to know like what is your life like? Like what do you do? What is your like what does your Tuesday look like? Do you know what I mean? Someone that is so off my radar, I would pick him. Interesting. Okay. Um, and finally, a PSA that you want to leave our audience with. So just any final thoughts or you know, just something you want to kind of shout out, whatever it is. Yeah. Show me some love on socials. You know, tell me why I should be on there more often. Um, uh, you can find me at Ravina Music. I'm currently working on a third album. And uh, we have some new merch that's coming out. Very exciting stuff. But right now I'm in the writing phase of um, my curve here. Um, third album. Really excited. Right now we're in the writing, brainstorming stages. But I've got a few songs under my belt right now that we're honing in on but uh yeah stay tuned but yeah show me some love let me know if you agree with not eating that lasagna the night before you know <laughs> and for those of you listening deciding to use Ravina's music please tag her or give her credit um, yes i will find you and give you a hug when it is covid free and we are safe and double vaxxed <laughs> <laughs> uh and that kind of concludes it guys and you know thank you like thank you Ravina, for kind of jumping on the podcast and providing a very truthful and insightful and entertaining uh, discussion. People... Thank you for having me, Ara. But can I just say thank you, actually, for really bringing the spotlight to Tamil creatives like us. It is so refreshing to have a platform like this. And you're doing really awesome. And I just want to say thank you because it is so far and few between where we have the spotlight shining on Tamil creatives, especially in Canada. And um, you've been doing this for so long. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because you've been supporting my career right from the beginning. So thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your... No, no, no. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're directing praise at me, so I'm going to definitely listen and let that be <laughs> no, recorded. You do, you, do, you do great work. And I think a lot of people um, you know, should really show you some love. And I, I know a lot of people do, but I appreciate you. And I just want to say thank you because as a creative in the Tamil industry, there's a lot of challenges, but 
with people like you, you make it so much easier to excel at what we do. So thank you. Well, thank you for the kind words. And, you know, for the, anybody kind of listening that was really inspired by your story and kind of just, you know, they want to connect with you. What's the best way for them to kind of reach out to you to do that? Yeah, uh, my social media handles are at Rovina Music. So, or Google Rovina and you can find my website and all these other wonderful things. Um, but yeah, shoot me a DM, uh, hit me up. I'm, I, I really like helping people, um, especially, you know, young creatives that are trying to figure out how like publishing and writing works and where to sign up. Cause when I started, it was very confusing, but, um, I know a few have reached out to me before asking about these questions about SoCan and stuff. So yeah, hit me up. I'm, I'm happy to share information. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone listening for kind of listening to yet another episode of the Tamil Creator and uh, look forward to connecting on the next episode. Bye.